Lucy and I met in 1997, about 1997, and at the time, I was driving a 1984 AMC Eagle hatchback. How many of you know what an AMC Eagle is? 19, I mean, it was like a car, but it was like a little bit jacked up, and it had like four-wheel drive, and I thought it was so cool, and my 1984 AMC Eagle was like two-tone brown and was a total piece of junk. I uh, lived in Grand Lake, Colorado, and uh, the, the transmission was going out, and Lissa and I were driving in this Eagle from Grand Lake down into Denver, Colorado, and on the way up to the top of Berthoud Pass, the transmission went out. I coasted right down into this little town at the, the Denver side of the pass, and uh, I, I, I traded it in to a, a mechanic for enough money to buy lunch and then take a taxi into Denver. I think where I was taking listed to the airport. Well, th that that car had a lot of eccentricity, eccentricities, uh, a lot of fun little quirks to it. One of the fun little quirks is there was an electrical short somewhere in the dashboard so that when you were driving at night and you hit just the right bump, all of the interior and headlights would just blink out. So you'd be driving along at 55, 45, I don't think it actually got up to 60 miles an hour, but you'd be driving along, you'd hit just the right bump and all the lights would go out. And then you'd just pray for another bump. I mean, you'd start smacking and laying hands and doing and yanking this, trying to get the lights to come back on. And, and so sometimes the lights would come back on, sometimes they wouldn't. And what that has to do with what I wanna share with you tonight is I feel like tonight, the Lord has put a prophetic word on my heart for our tribe fam. Now, prophetic word is a, is a really churchy word. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're not familiar with it. But the best way that I can describe to you what a prophetic word is, is for you to think about my 1984 AMC Eagle. Okay, the road is there. And whether you're riding your bike or, or walking, you're on the road. But Sometimes it feels as it sometimes it feels as feels as though we're walking down the road in the dark. A prophetic word is a word in season that's specific and it can be general at the same time that's like turning the headlights on the road that you've been driving to illuminate something that has been there but to bring new or fresh or specific insight to a specific situation. Does that make sense? So when you hear somebody say, oh, I have a prophetic word or a prophetic something, I want you to think of my 1984 AMC Eagle where you hit the bump and the lights just boom, the lights come on. And so that's what I want to share with you tonight is, is what I feel like the Lord put on my heart to share with you, a prophetic word for tribe. Now, where did this prophetic word come from? Earlier this week, we were out to dinner with some friends and we were just talking about Oh, I think we covered it all. Saturday Night Live, the election, uh, the virus, and we covered everything. And there was, there was something that we talked about for just a moment at our dinner conversation that really stuck with me. And over the, the rest of the week, I've just been praying about it, praying into it. And I feel like out of, out of that dinner conversation and the time that we had that the Lord just put a prophetic word on my heart for you. And the prophetic word is the title of tonight's message. So if you're taking notes, 
you can just write two words at the top of your notes for tonight's message, tipping point. Tipping point. I believe that we are at a tipping point. Now, before you start running ahead of me down the road by thinking about, well, I know exactly what Brian means. I mean, there, we're, it doesn't take somebody being prophetic or like moving in the spirit of God to know that our country is about to arrive at a tipping point. And it may relate to that, but just don't run ahead and think you know where I'm going with this message just yet, all right? Will you stay with me? Okay, here's the first place I'd like you to turn. There are three passages of scripture that I want to read to you tonight that talk about a person arriving at a tipping point. So we're going to look at three different passages to kind of lay this foundation of tipping points in the Bible. And if you really want to dive deep, you could probably find lots and lots and lots and lots of different tipping points in the Bible. We're going to look at three in the life of Jesus. The first one is in Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, click on Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to read just a few verses to you. Matthew chapter 4, and why don't I start reading in verse 12. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Here's the, here's the key verse, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Can you see the tipping point in verse 17? From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now hold that verse, hold that little passage, spun up in your brain, and let's go to the next one. Matthew chapter 16. So flip ahead a little bit. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm just going to read one verse in Matthew chapter 16. Well, let's see. Let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, let's back up to verse 17. No, 16. Ah! No, it's so good. All right, 13. Just to give you some full context. This is for somebody who's not reading their Bible enough. I got to read it for you. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elisha, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter. So Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and all the gates or powers of hell will not conquer it. 
And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Here's the key verse. Look at verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, that he would be killed. But on the third day, he would rise from the dead. I like it. Thank you. All right. Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 16. Here's the last one to, to lay this foundation. Uh, we're going to look, we're going to flip forward over to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I've been doing this a long time and I still say the books of the Bible in my head as I go there. Luke chapter 9. And in this passage, I want to start reading from verse 51, and that's my final answer. Okay. <laughs> As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jer Jerusalem. Let's keep reading. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Ooh, oh, that's just so good. I want to read more, but... I don't want to dilute what I'm trying to get at this evening. Look at verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Another tipping point. Here's the bottom line. If you don't, if you don't hear anything else, I, I want you to hear what I feel like is the word of the Lord put on my heart to share with you tonight. You... And I mean you as in our tribe fam. And I mean you, Matt, as in you individual, possibly. But for us as a tribe fam, that's another great thing about a prophetic word is it can be specifically for somebody and specifically for everybody. Are at approaching, I should say approaching, approaching. Let me be really clear to what I feel like the Lord put in my heart. You are approaching a tipping point. Some of you may know this and, 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 and feel it or sense it. And I'm not just talking about like the country and the political environment. I, I, I'm not talking about that. We are approaching a tipping point. Now, let me give you a definition of, uh, of a tipping point because so that we're all on the same page because I feel like your idea of tipping point may be different than your idea of a tipping point may be different than your idea of a tipping point. Listen to this definition of a tipping point. You can write it down. The critical point in a situation, process, or system beyond which a significant and often, listen, unstoppable effect or change takes place. Now, that's a really good spot for everybody to go, hmm. You probably want me to read the definition again so that you can respond appropriately, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, take it in, take it in. What's, it, what's the definition of a tipping point? The critical point in a situation, process, or system 
beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change takes place. So this winter, I was, I was skiing with, with some of our tribe young adults. I was trying to keep up with them. And we were, we were in a coolar called uh, Broken, Broken Branch Coolar, right? Is that the one that Tyson took a ride in? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Tyson since he's not here tonight. <laughs> and uh, Tyson is relatively new in the mountains. And uh, if, you've, if you've skied in the backcountry at all, um, you know that, that sometimes you fall down. Um, we, we all fall down. The, the, the secret is, what do you do the moment after you fall down? This was a, this was a, a relatively steep coulard, um, and a moderately steep coulard, um, but there was a lot of snow that was moving in the coulard. And so we'd send people down one at a time. You make your turns, and you get to the bottom of the coulard, and you, you turn out. So uh, we all did fine. Um, Tyson got into the coulard. He made, he made several turns, and then the, slow, the snow just kind of started moving around him, kind of took his feet out from under him, and he went down. Now, if you, if you know anything about back country, moving through the backcountry, whether you're snowboarding or skiing, if you go down, that's not, that, that's not the end of the world in most situations, but you need to immediately, immediately get your feet under you and stand back up. You've got to get out of that, that slough because as the slough goes down the coulard, it just picks up more and more material and you could be carried and at the, you could be swept away and at the bottom of the coulard, you could end up in a big oatmeal concrete. <laughs> and so it's really important. It's really important that you get up on your feet as fast as you can. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. I know that I'm right. So Tyson goes down and, and we're all like, like Tyson, I, th I think it was Anna and her, her mom instincts were like really kicking in. Anna started screaming at Tyson, Tyson, you got to stand up, get up, get up, get up. Because what Tyson didn't know at that moment is he was about to reach a tipping point that he slid far enough and he picked up enough speed that it then would have been very difficult for him to stand up, for him to find his edges, and it would have been a, it would have been a really dangerous, it, would have been, it, it could have been really, really dangerous. Tyson did find his feet eventually after all of us started screaming at him to stand up and find his edges. But here's the thing, with the tipping point, you might not realize that you're on the verge of a tipping point. Sometimes they can, they can arrive at our doorstep without us even realizing it. I think you need an object lesson. Now, I wanted to do something more dangerous, but Lissy said I couldn't. Okay. So... Like, if I, walk out, if I walk out on this board, I'm not going to walk to the end of this board and have it still be at the same height, right? right? Obviously. Basic physics tells me that as I reach a certain point, the tipping point, things will change, and I'll continue on, right? This, 
Does, is anybody confused by what they've just seen? This is not magic, but I'll do it again slowly. All right? So I'm moving along. I reach a tipping point. What's interesting is nothing changes. Nothing changes here. 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 But as I shift my weight, all of a sudden, after all of those steps where nothing has changed, one more step, and things begin to change. And then as I step here, if I were to if I were to walk backwards, I could never stand a, at the end of that board. Obviously, it would it, it would pivot. But this is the picture that I want you to get in your mind about what about where you're at. Now, a good object lesson. A person is able to connect the dots all on their own about what the object lesson means. But just in case you're having a little bit of trouble connecting the dots. Let me break this object lesson down for you so that you can understand better at what the Lord wants to speak to you about. Okay, the board. What does the board represent? What does the board represent? You don't have to tell me because I'm about to tell you, but just think in your mind, what does the board represent? The board represents a linear progression of time. We are moving into the future at a rate of one minute per minute into the future, <laughs> right? This board represents the linear progression of time. Okay, what do I, what do I represent in, in this object lesson? I represent you, okay? You are you in this object lesson. You are moving forward through time. If you're with me so far, say, I'm with you. Okay, okay, all right, good, 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 good. Now, here's the tricky part. What In physics, what do you call this thing? Dune? Fulcrum. This is called a fulcrum. The fulcrum is the point at which things begin to, to pivot, all right? Now, what is the fulcrum in this object lesson? That is the, the prophetic gooey center of the nugget that I'm feeding you tonight that is for you to unpack. For you, the fulcrum might be different than for you. For you, the fulcrum might be different than for you. Are you thoroughly confused yet? No. Okay, yes, okay, good, good, good. Ian, thank you, thank you. So, what fulcrum is tribe approaching? I don't know. I got I to gotta really pray into that, you guys. We all know, we all know that ever since this virus hit the world and this country, everything's been different. You've heard me say it so many times. March 8th was the last Sunday that we ever got to meet as as a church as we know it, right? March 8th, seven months ago. This virus has been a fulcrum for many of our lives. 
Things have pivoted. Things have, have, have changed. We're going to talk more about that fulcrum in just a moment. But keep this object lesson in mind as we go back to those verses that we just looked at. So was there a fulcrum in that, that happened in Jesus' life in Matthew chapter 4? Yeah. If you, you can go back and look. Look for, the, look for the fulcrum. Well, I'll tell you where it is. You can go back and study it. It says that when John the Baptist died, that was a moment that he moved, he changed, he changed geographical locations, and then it says, from that point on, Jesus began to preach repent, okay? So from that point on is when the balance tips and there is a shift in Jesus' life. Well, what was the fulcrum? It was that moment when John the Baptist died. What about in, in Matthew chapter 16? Matthew chapter 16, what was the fulcrum? Well, it, it takes a little bit more investigating about Caesarea Philippi and understanding the words of, of Jesus. But if you, if you know your biblical geography, you know that Caesarea Philippi was at the base of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is, is known for thousands of years as a, a portal to what ancient Canaanite civilizations believed to be a portal uh, to the heavens where, where, where angels descended and, and they interacted and dwelt with man. And uh, in ancient Canaanite civilizations, they believed that a person could, could go into the spiritual world or if you are a big fan of stranger, fame, stranger things, the upside down, that's how you got into the upside down was going to Mount Hermon. But there was a city that lied right at the base of Mount Hermon that was considered the gateway to the upside down. In that city, by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, its modern name, which is ancient to us now, is called Caesarea Philippi. So now when Jesus, when Jesus says, he goes, to, he goes to Caesarea Philippi, which is known as the gates of hell, and he basically has Peter make this declaration. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. What does he do? Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he tells Peter, on that rock, he wasn't talking about the rock of that truth. He wasn't talking about on you, Peter, and your papal succession. He was saying, on that rock, like if I were to just casually throw my hand in a gesture out towards the top of the Grand Teton, on that rock, because Jesus is pointing towards Mount Hermon, on that rock, I'll build my church. And that's why it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What had Jesus done? Jesus had just kicked a spiritual hornet's nest. Mm -hmm. Because he knew that there needed to be a, 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 oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Somebody help me. A tipping point. Thank you, Jacob. There had to be a tipping point to set in motion the events that would lead to the crucifixion of Jesus so that he could die to pay for our sins so that he could raise from the dead. 
And if you remember the verse that, that we just read, so he goes to Caesarea Philippi. Peter makes a confession of the Messiah. And then the Bible says, from that point on, Jesus began to talk plainly to his disciples about the events that must unfold. Tipping points are all in the Bible. We reach tipping points in our life, different times. Some of them we've been walking along, we've crossed to the other side of the fulcrum point, and are like, whoa, what just happened? And then we move along, and we're kind of looking back like, whoa, what, what was that? Without ever realizing that we had crossed a tipping point. Now, Lisa and I were talking about this. Are tipping points good or bad? Well, tipping points for the most part are, are neutral because, but they can be good and they can be bad. So a good tipping point is let's say that there's something that you've been praying for. Maybe you've been praying for uh, a son or a daughter or a relative or a relationship. You've been praying and praying and praying. What if your, t what if your prayers reach that tipping point so that up until that moment, you're praying, you're praying, nothing happens. It talks about it in Revelation. Remember the prayers of the saints that are filling up a bowl under the altar, and once the prayers of the saints fill the bowl, then they are poured out, and they're, they're asking, how long, O oh God, until you execute justice for us, those that have been, those that have been martyred, throughout history and in the great tribulation. So the saints are under the altar. They're praying, they're praying, they're praying. Nothing happens. What about Naaman the leper? How many times did he dip in the Jordan River? How many times was it, guys? Seven. Seven times. One, two, three, four. All these times, nothing happens. He gets to five, six. Whoa. And that seventh time, something happens. Mm -hmm. Tipping points. So tipping points, tipping points can be good. Tipping points can be bad. How about Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham was like, if, if you can just find one righteous person, they're like, okay, fine. You can't find anybody righteous. Just save Lot. The tipping point had been reached and there was no turning back. How about the flood with the ark? A tipping point had been reached and the people didn't realize it. Matthew says, or Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, 24, that on the day of the flood, the people didn't realize what was about to happen. They had crossed the tipping point and didn't even realize it. Tipping points can be good. Tipping points can be bad. Can tipping points be avoided? Lissy and I really wrestled with this question. The answer is yes and no. If you're with me, please tell me. I'm still with you. Still with you. <laughs> oh, man, I've got like four things, but can tipping points be avoided? Yes and no. All right, let's get to something a little more practical for you. Do you realize, and I'm, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, but do you realize that, that you could be right at the verge of a tipping point in your life right now? This is the prophetic word of the Lord for you tonight. You are approaching a tipping point. When do you reach your tipping point? 
It might be three weeks for you. It might be three years for you. It might be three minutes from now. But the prophetic word of the Lord for our tribe family tonight is that we are approaching a tipping point. I have two last points. <laughs> this is woe, don't go anywhere. Two last points. In each point, I've got, I got three things to, to, to help to help you understand a little better. Here's the, here's the first question. Hopefully you're asking yourself this. How do I recognize that I'm approaching a tipping point? So have, have any of you ever in your life, now this is, I've told you a couple times, don't raise your hand, but, but this time you can raise your hand. Have any of you be, ever been cruising along with life and like, whoa! And you crossed a tipping point and you didn't even realize it. Like things were set in motion, things happened that not until after you crossed it that you were like, wait, what was that? You can raise your hand. Maybe you said to yourself, I didn't see that coming. That's pretty much all of us, right? Every, every man that has survived their teenage years has had a number of those. <laughs> Whoops, I didn't see that coming. So how do you recognize... A tipping point. Here's the first thing that you can do to recognize a tipping point. Number one, something that has been in the background of your life. So let me switch mics. I've had enough of that. Y'all had enough of that when? No, Brian, we couldn't even hear it. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. How to recognize that you are approaching a tipping point. Number one, something that has been in the background of your life suddenly comes to the foreground of your life. How many times had Jesus been to Jerusalem? Well, he was a good Jew. He'd been to Jerusalem numerous times throughout his life. So it's not like all of a sudden this was his very first trip to go to Jerusalem. He had been going to Jerusalem a lot his whole life. But this particular instance, after he reached this tipping point, it says that Jesus set out resolutely to go to Jerusalem. So how do you recognize that you are approaching a tipping point? It's probably because something in your life that it, it's been there, maybe in the background, maybe not a big deal, but it suddenly comes to the foreground of your life, number one. Number two, your first tendency will be to avoid it. Okay, maybe that's just for me. But I have found that I have, as I've reached tipping points in my life, that something that has, that has kind of been in the peripheral on the side or that's been in the background, it suddenly comes to the foreground of my life. My first tendency is to avoid it. You guys remember my motto in high school, don't you? My motto in high school was ignore a problem long enough and it will go away. And it never did. So number one, something that's been in the peripheral suddenly comes to the foreground. Number two, if your first tendency is to avoid it, that could be a very good indication that you are approaching a tipping point. And then here's the third thing. A decision will need to be made. You can't not make a decision. And if you choose not to make a decision, you'll cross the tipping point without even realizing it. 
and things will have been set in motion. Remember, like that definition I give you, that, that could be unstoppable or irreversible. A decision has to be made. So if you feel like you're trying to put it off or, or, or you feel this decision looming, you very well could be rapidly approaching a tipping point. Is that helpful to anybody? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Remember I said I had two points, two last points. These, this is the last point. So how do you respond to a tipping point? Number one, just like I remember from watching all those G.I. Joe cartoons when I was a little kid, remember Quick Kick would come in and, and save the day, and it was like a little PSA announcement, and they're like, thanks, Quick Kick, for saving me. Now I know. And Quick Kick would always say, and knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. Thank you, Quick Kick and G.I. Joe. <laughs> so how do you respond to a tipping point? Number one, you need to recognize that, that you're approaching a tipping point. Ignorance is not a defense. You can't say as you move along through life, remember this is the linear progression of time, you can't say, I don't know, uh, I don't know, and ignore it, and ignore it. You are moving towards that tipping point. There's nothing that you can do to avoid it. You cannot get on a ship and sail in the opposite direction. God will just send a big fish to swallow you. You cannot avoid the tipping point. So how do you respond to a tipping point? Number one, recognize. Recognize that you're approaching a tipping point. How much better will you live your life Realize maybe it's big and significant. Maybe it's small and seemingly insignificant. But how many of us have gone through life like, whoa, and it fell like the bottom fell out? Well, we had just crossed a tipping point without even realizing it. Number one, recognize. Number two, you got to pray. That is the time to press in. Lord, what are you up to? Lord, what do you have for me? Lord, what, what, what is coming at me? What's coming at me down, down the road? I feel like there's, there's something that's been kind of on the sidelines, but now it's coming up and coming up and coming up. I can't escape it. My first tendency is I, I want to avoid it, but I just can't seem to avoid it everywhere I turn. It's there. Uh, a, a decision or, or to take a stand or something. I can tell that something is being required of me. I think maybe I'm at a tipping point. Tipping point. I recognize it. The second thing is you've got to pray. Part of praying is counting the cost. Remember, the definition of a tipping point is things happen, they get set in motion that, that there's no going back from. So part of how to respond to a tipping point is counting the cost. Making this decision as you press into the Lord, as you hear from Him, what is this, this going to cost me? Remember what, what the book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he gives to all generously without finding fault. But if you believe, you, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. What is it? Blown and tossed on the teeter-totter of life, vacillating back and forth. Ah, ah. You're just going to fall down and break your ankle and or get seasick. Here's the third thing how to respond to a tipping point. The third thing is this. You gotta take action. 
there comes that time where I, I know, I know. I feel like I've had my back to these people all night. So let me talk to Corey for a second. I'll go this way. So there comes a time after you've recognized, after you've prayed into this, that, that action must be taken. When Lissa, and, and this, is, this is the part, this moment right here, where Lissa and I have been many times, and you hear me talk about putting your yes on the table, right? How many of you have ever heard me say that before? Mm-hmm. Putting your yes on the table. This is the moment where you put your yes on the table. There's a lot of things that you still don't know, a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of things that aren't sure, but after the decision has been made, you've crossed the point of no return, you put your yes on the table, come what may, I'm going this way. The third thing is to take action. Is that helpful for anybody? Uh, Liz, help, see if you can help make this word tonight make an 18 inch drop. By providing the anointing of <laughs> lubrication so that it may slip by the power of God from their thinker down to their knower. Let me just share a couple of verses, two more verses with you. You don't need to turn there, but they're, you can write them down in your notes. Romans 13, 11. Paul speaking, he says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There's some good context to that verse, but I just wanted to isolate that verse. There's a lot to it. Understand the present times. Tonight, do you find yourself right at or approaching a tipping point in your life? Paul the Apostle would say, understand the times. He doesn't, God does not want us to cross a tipping point. And as we take that next step, have like what seems like to us the bottom fall out for us. He doesn't want that. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Bible says God does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. He, he, he's going to give you a heads up. This message tonight is designed to give you a heads up. Last verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Paul says, be very careful then as you walk across boards over little step stools. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17. Yeah, that's going to help it slide right on down. This is so good. So good, Corey. Uh, Before I mess things up totally, let's just go before the Lord in prayer and and, uh, allow him to translate this message into our specific circumstances for us. 
good father who's holding his child's hands as they hike down the trail and he sees ahead on the trail there's some big loose rocks and he says hey watch these next couple of steps as we go through this he wants to let you know that you are that you and for us as tribe we're approaching a tipping point uh, as the Lord is ministering to your heart, uh, I want to pray for you, but I'd like to know specifically who I'm praying for. Nobody's really looking around now, right now, although we are totally outdoors and in a sense naked and exposed and vulnerable to the whole world as we do this thing called church and pressing into Jesus. So if you're like, I, I feel like, that was that prophetic word was for me, Brian. Uh, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you tonight. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I wish that I could say, oh, do you know what your tipping point is? Do you know what your tipping point is? I, I, I want to hear it, but let me just pray for you. And then just send me a text or an email so I know how, how I can be praying for you. Well, Father... There, there, there are two things I want to pray for. I want to pray for the individuals, and then I want to pray for us at Tribe. Father, for the individuals who had their hands raised, Lord, that, that you're, you're speaking to them, that they are approaching a tipping point. Lord, I pray that, number one, they would recognize. Number two, that they would pray into it. They would count the cost. And then as they put their yes on the table, Lord, that, that you would give them specific action steps to take to navigate this tipping point. Father, and, and we thank you in advance. We celebrate with them on the other side of this tipping point that we can see your breakthrough, that we can see, um, I, I'm just thinking of Jacob, like Jacob was heading towards a tipping point and, and, and God's like, if you keep going down that path, dude, it ain't going to be good. And so in this instance, the tipping point was avoided, <laughs> right? So Lord, if, if, it's a, if it's a tipping point to avoid, do in Jacob what, do in their hearts what you did in Jacob's hearts. Do in my heart what you did in Jacob's heart. Give us a clear, stern warning to turn before we cross the other side of that tipping point. And Father, I pray for tribe. You're, you're, we, are, we are approaching a tipping point at tribe. I don't know exactly what that means. Lord, speak to, speak to, speak to the, the elders uh, of tribe. Speak to the people that are prophetically gifted at tribe. Let us press in. Speak to the staff at tribe so that we can like know what kind of tipping point is tribe approaching. I don't think it's a bad one. I think it's a good one. It's a good one. And help us be prepared. I've prayed all my words. In Jesus' name, amen.